Hello, I'm Luke, and you're listening to Going Vegan. Welcome to the Going Vegan show. I'm Anthony, and as you've heard, today we'll be having a conversation with Luke. Now, some of you might have been listening to the Going Vegan series so far, thinking to yourselves, well, this is all well and good, but a lot of these people went vegan years ago or even decades ago. What about people who are going vegan right now? Well, today's the episode for you because Luke has been vegan for just over a year. So very much relevant for anyone going through that transition right now. Really interesting guy to, to hear from. And it's coming right up now. Thanks in advance for listening. Hope you enjoy the show. Luke, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Really interested to, to hear about your vegan story. You've given me a couple of sentences in a Facebook Messenger conversation to sort of titillate me, but I don't know much more than that. So I'm really looking forward to, to hearing about things. We'll start things off as, as we often do in this series by you going as far back as you can to trace the start or the first signs that veganism might have been something that could feature in your life one day? How, how far back can you trace it? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll probably start when maybe I was a little bit younger and just sort of paint a picture of what it was like growing up. When I was younger, I was a really fussy eater. And when we had, you know, something like a Sunday roast, I would only eat the meat and maybe the mashed potato off the plate. And my parents would make me sit at the dinner table for what felt like hours until I ate all my vegetables. Um, I had to, use, well, I basically used to sneak off to the bathroom with pockets of cauliflower and flush it down the <laughs> toilet just to get rid of it. I didn't really like to try new things. So as you can imagine, when I went vegan, my parents genuinely couldn't believe it. You know, sort of the polar opposite of what I used to be like. Again, when I was Sort of growing up, I went fishing with my dad, um, never really saw a problem with it. You know, my dad was always really careful when he was handling the fish. And once they'd been reeled in, we'd have a quick look at the fish and then put them back in the pond and, and watch them swim off. So, again, never really saw any problems with that. Typical kid, used to love going to zoos, um, fascinated by all the animals. Um, and then when I did eventually leave home and I can afford a membership I got a, a, a Chester Zoo membership for a couple of years and I'd go just you know to watch the orangutans the chimpanzees and you know all the great apes and I used to look at them and, and think wow you know these animals are just so much like us and I didn't really make that connection how alien that environment must have been with you know crowds of people just staring at them through the glass so I'd always say I was an animal lover, um, you know, I wouldn't ever want to hurt an animal, but at the same time, I never really made that connection that my lifestyle and choices did have, you know, effects on these on these animals. I think probably the earliest trigger for me, maybe thinking of animals as sort of sentient beings was my wife and I went walking through the Lake Districts probably around 12 years ago, and we came across an abandoned lamb. And um, the lamb was 
really weak and appeared malnourished because what normally happens with um, ewes when they give birth, they often give birth to twins and they don't always give enough time to one of them. They'll sort of look after the one that seems the strongest and the other one tends to get neglected. We somehow got hold of the local farmer. I can't remember how, but we managed to, to, to maybe speak to somebody and they, they contacted him. And he eventually turned up on his quad bike and scooped this little lamb up, put it on his knee and then drove off. And I thought, you know, we've done a really good thing there. You know, we, we've saved that lamb. But then not realising at the time, he, he probably took it back to the farm and killed it. Mm. So after this, I, I just couldn't bring myself to, to eat lamb. I just couldn't imagine, you know, subjecting these babies, which is essentially what they are, to, I don't know, exploitation harm. Um, so I guess that was probably the earliest trigger for me is is when I stopped eating lamb. And then maybe fast forward to 2019, 2022, uh, sorry, 2020, like a lot of people during lockdown, we, we got a dog. I very, very quickly formed a really strong bond with him and, you know, quickly realized how intelligent he was and how I could read his emotions and he could read mine. And we had a really good connection. One night after work, I was scrolling through Instagram and one of my friends shared a story about beagle puppies being bred in a facility in Cambridgeshire that were bred for the vivisection industry. It, it sort of hooked me. I sort of started reading into, you know, what happens to these dogs in, in animal testing in this country. I, I sort of looked at my dog and thought, wow, I could never imagine subjecting him to that sort of pain and misery and suddenly became really interested in sort of animal rights. And I quickly joined a, a group of people who were uh, against, you know, against vivisection and against animal testing, you know, came quite heavily involved with the campaign and obviously surrounded myself with other animal rights a activists. And it sort of stemmed from them, I guess. Was that specifically the Camp Beagle group or was that a wider sort of anti-vivisection group? Yeah, I mean, it was originally Camp Beagle and then it sort of, you could call it, it sort of stemmed off into other areas as well. Yeah, other groups. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it can quickly, I mean, the, the nature of these things is as, as soon as you sort of open one box, it, it then leads to several others, doesn't it? I'm, mm. I'm interested into how you're seeing yourself in this in this transition that you're talking about? Because you've described a point, am I right in understanding, about 10 years ago where you've stopped eating lamb? Yeah. Are you seeing yourself in a slightly different way there? Or, or are you, how is that being conveyed to other people? Like presumably at some point you're having to say to somebody, or oh, like I don't eat lamb, or is it, is it just like when you're making the decision, you're, when you're able to make the decision, you're choosing not to eat it. Is that something that's featuring at all? Or is that does that come much, much later? Yeah, so I never really told people that I didn't specifically eat lamb. It wasn't a case of, you know, being against that in a sense. It was just my decision if I was in a restaurant and lamb was on the menu, I would never pick it. Yeah. Um, but I never really had a, a really strong sort of opposition to other people doing it. I just thought it was... Yeah, I guess I thought it was maybe morally wrong from my point of view, based on the experience that I'd had with this lamb that at the time I thought I had saved. And yeah, I mean, when I got involved with this anti-vivisection campaign, I was saying to myself, and it was a bit of a, a weird one, because for a long time, I was battling against <laughs> my sort of 
subcon is it a subconscious maybe this voice in the back of my head where it was saying you know you're a little bit of a hypocrite here because on one hand you know you're advocating and trying to you know liberate these animals from these well prisons essentially where they're just tools for an industry mm. but then on the other hand you're paying for other animals farm animals to suffer and die just because you want to eat them. Mm. Um, and I was somebody who, maybe a little bit off tangent, but I was somebody who at every single meal, I would have animal products. I would have steak and egg for breakfast every single day. <laughs> I would have, you know, dairy protein yogurts. I would have chicken and rice for my lunch. I'd then have, you know, a, a dairy protein shake in the afternoon. I'd have some other animal protein for tea. And this was for probably five or six years where it was heavily based on eating animal products. Mm. So, you know, I was definitely not somebody who was vegetarian or, or could even entertain that sort of lifestyle. You know, I was a fussy eater. I, I, I could only really manage with animal foods. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was a little bit of a hypocrite when I joined the animal rights movement because, as you can imagine, most people are vegan or at the very least vegetarian. Um, and I'd never told them that I still ate meat. Yeah, I, I was going to say, was that challenged at all? Or, or does, is that something that doesn't necessarily need to come up in the conversation? Um, well, I remember being on a Zoom call with the guys in my team, and we had um, a discussion with, you, you may or may not have heard of him, a guy called Dr. Andre Manesh. I don't know them by name. But... No, he, he's basically a, um, he's a guy who's been in the industry for a long time, and he's an animal rights activist, but also a scientist. And he... He helped shut down MBR acres in Italy. So he's a, a huge advocate for, you know, liberating animals from vivisection. I remember being on a Zoom call and somebody brought up the subject of veganism and how we can get more vegans engaged with anti-vivisection campaigns. And I was just sat on this Zoom call thinking, I'm not even vegan. I'm not even vegetarian. I just kept my mouth shut. I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Um, and... I think what probably helped me go towards veganism was surrounding myself with other like-minded people who were against the exploitation of animals. And maybe I, as I said earlier, saw myself as a little bit of a hypocrite and then changed. I mean, sometimes I, th I think we all live with elements of contradiction in our lives, don't we? I, I think there's a, a trope or a meme, if you like, that goes around vegan circles in terms of us sort of saying, oh, you know, all this cognitive dissonance that meat eaters have. But but we all have cognitive dissonance in our lives. We all have things where we, we silence that little voice in our head because actually very often life doesn't allow us to completely line everything up, all of our actions with our beliefs. Yes, if we're vegan, we might feel like we're we're doing that with a big proportion of our life, but I guarantee there'll be some contradiction in there for everybody. So I think we have to be real with that. And it's, I think that's what's really valuable having this conversation with you. It, was it a case that you were, I don't want to dwell on it too long, Luke, because there's far more for us to talk about, but <laughs> is there a case that you, you're feeling like you're, you're doing some good by being involved in this anti-vivisection community? And actually that's where you're you're putting your energy so that's kind of almost justifying or m meaning that you're not addressing those areas those other areas of your life yeah I mean at that time I, I thought I was doing a really good thing you know I mean at the end of the day nobody would agree that animal cruelty is acceptable but then we all pay for it you know three times a day when we have a meal yeah. um, and I think over time I, I sort of learned that 
I, I was a hypocrite because I was obviously trying to help animals in laboratories, but well, you were. Well, yeah, I guess I was, <laughs> but then also, you were helping them. <laughs> yeah, but then you know, I was advocating. It's 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 this as you said, this cognitive dissonance where I was advocating for one group of animals whilst exploiting another. You know, whilst I was eating all these animal products over time. You know, I couldn't eat a chicken breast without cutting it up into tiny pieces because I just didn't want to associate it with an animal. Mm. You know, I, I, I enjoyed the taste, obviously, but at the same time, I didn't really enjoy the meal because I sort of made this connection of what it was. And I did slowly cut back on what types of animals I was eating. You know, I'd cut out red meat first. I don't know why, but I just stopped eating red meat. And then eventually I cut out chicken and then I cut out fish. And then very quickly after I cut out fish, I learned about the egg and dairy industry and then cut those out and I was vegan. And did, did you say it was being surrounded by vegans that, that sort of had a big, a big sort of catalyst on that? I think that helped because most people, not all of them, but most people in the animal rights movement are vegans and obviously if you're friends with them on social media you know they will share uh, videos and uh, pictures of or even you know news stories about animals that have been exploited and are suffering in different industries so you you do very very quickly learn about those other industries which you would probably wouldn't learn about if you weren't in those circles so i think that i think that did help but it also helped when I realized that I was a hypocrite, because like I said, I've said a few times that, you know, I was advocating for a group of animals whilst paying for the exploitation and murder of others. And that just didn't sit right with me. And then over time, I eventually changed. But the frustrating thing is, is when I advocate for veganism now, and I think most vegans would probably agree, is that you want people to go vegan overnight. <laughs> you, you see it so clearly, but in reality, that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, most people transition slowly. So it's about planting seeds and making people wake up. And I'm obviously glad I did. So what I'm hearing from you, Luke, is that there's there's parts of your lifestyle in terms of the food that you're that you eat that in a sense is is quite an obstacle. That's quite a change to go from eating such an animal derived rich animal derived diet to one that completely excludes it but then on the other hand you do have a community that is sort of very vegan ready if you like in terms of the support that they can offer or the role models or, or what have you yeah. what, what what about the rest of your life would you say that would that offered things that made a vegan transition pretty straightforward or were, were there other significant obstacles that you that you needed to overcome not really no so once i learned about the egg and dairy industry i, I didn't even dwell on that it was like right i'm done with that now and again i like these products you know every, every, everyone always says the same thing it's not the fact we don't like the taste of something it's just in the back of your mind you know what you're doing is wrong mm -hmm. so for me it was actually pretty easy to be honest with you once i'd made my mind up that was it it wasn't a case of me trying to drag this process out as long as possible. I guess it helped that when I went vegan, my wife went vegan. I think that would have made it maybe a little bit tricky. Um, some people may be able to work around it, but I think that would be an obstacle for some people. Is she, can I, can I, is she sort of going on this metaphorical journey with you in terms of like she's hearing about the stuff that you're doing with the anti-vivisection? You know, she's got a dog at the same time or is, is, yeah. is it slightly different? 
Um, so she she wasn't necessarily involved in the anti-vivisection campaign, although she did, you know, I, I, I spoke about it and she sort of looked into it and occasionally helped out. I mean, she's a bit more of a foodie than I am. So, you know, maybe she found the vegan transition a little bit harder. As a lot of people always say, cheese was the hardest thing to give up and it was for her. But yeah, yeah she she went along with it with me. Yeah, I, I think that made it a little bit easier. I think that one of the challenges that a lot of people will come across is if you haven't got a, a network of people or a circle of people who share the same beliefs as you um, and the same morals as you, then obviously that can be quite hard to navigate because, you know, you constantly question yourself then. You know, you constantly yes. question what you're doing is right. And obviously you're getting a lot of opposition to that. You know, we live in a carnist world and being a vegan isn't easy or it, or it, it's not always easy. So I think it's good to have a good network of people who share the same ideology as you, you know, whether that be through an animal rights campaign, you know, group a, join a group of people who are campaigning for animals or whether you do like, I don't know, a vegan running club or, or whatever, just try and find like-minded people who can support you and talk to you and, and help you if you need them. Yeah, it can make the world of difference, can't it? It, it sounds to me like once you've, you've talked about eliminating different sort of animal food groups, if you like, once you get to that egg and dairy stage, that's that's sort of it that's when you're you're having this resolution like right i, I need to need to just do this now and 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 what i'm hearing is a a large amount of resolve there that you're you're sort of very determined were there nonetheless things that you were a bit fearful of or concerns that you had about making that transition um not really no i mean again i, I go back to the point when i was younger i was a really fussy eater so even that didn't put me off i was just in the back of my mind i thought as long as i'm not contributing to this industry I don't care, you know, I'll happily not necessarily give these things up because you're not really giving them up. You're just not taking something that doesn't belong to you. Mm, um, really good point. Really good point. <laughs> it's not, it's, you don't, you don't, when you go vegan, you don't give things up. It's not a case of giving these things up. It's um, a lot of people see it that way, but it's not, it's not about you. I don't know. I think if you, if you've got strong morals and ethics, then they should be the driving force force behind it. And, for me, you know, in the back of my mind, I was always thinking about these animals. And, you know, if I have to, quote unquote, give up these products and so be it, I'll just make do with something else. But, you know, again, I used to eat a lot of animal protein and that's what all my meals were centered around. So I went from that to, you know, eating uh, plant-based protein and found it incredibly easy. You can basically substitute all your favorite meals with plant-based foods and I enjoy them. You know, I, I enjoy plant-based foods now. I never did, but I do now. And it's I never thought I'd ever say that. And that and that's the thing with, with vegan journeys, I think, is that they they rarely pan out exactly as we would have thought with, with foresight. You know, there are always surprises along the way. I mean, you, you mentioned at the very start of our conversation that I think you were saying your parents would never believe that this would be something you would do given you know how you used to eat what what was the response of of others around you when you presumably at some point you you're telling people right I'm vegan now what was their response yeah so I think this is probably one of the hardest thing for some people um you know it's not actually difficult talking to a non-vegan who you don't know about veganism it's harder to talk to people you do know and people you do care about because when you don't necessarily get the response you'd expect from them where they don't necessarily share the same 
compassion as you for animals, it can be incredibly frustrating. You know, people that you love uh, and care about not necessarily caring as much as you do about animals. You know, you try and educate them, you try and talk to them about these things and you sort of hit a brick wall. I mean, my parents are definitely people you'd class as ethical and people who, I'd say, do like animals, you know, um, but they just can't make that connection to veganism. It's, um, it is frustrating, but, you know, they were supportive. You know, for example, we, um, we went away at Christmas and most of the meals that we had were, were vegan. You know, everyone ate vegan pretty much. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my dad and my younger brother had turkey with Christmas, but we had the Christmas dinner, but the rest of, you know, all the meals we had were, were, were pretty much all vegan. So, um, you know, they make the effort. My in-laws, they buy us like vegan treats. You know, if they're in the supermarket or whatever, they'll, and they see some vegan product, they'll go, oh, I'll, I'll buy it for, for Luke and Lila. And um, yeah, I mean, that's nice. That's thoughtful. So it's um, it's frustrating, but to deal with it. And and actually, that's that's a relatively positive response. Like you say, it really would, you'd, you'd want somebody to hear the argument and then completely, you know, jump in with, with feet first to, to live their life in the same way. But actually, like what can happen is a even more extreme example of, of what you're describing there, where somebody really takes umbrage with the fact that you're you're basically, particularly with parents, you're almost saying by definition of being vegan that that moral code that you raised me with, I'm now questioning, I'm challenging, and I'm saying actually it wasn't as moral as it could have been, and so. I think parents in particular can give the, the strongest rebuke sometimes because it feels like a bit of a kick in the teeth for them. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I've, I've heard that before as well. Um, and it's absolutely right. You know, you're basically going against everything that they taught you is, is right. And you're questioning the morals that they've set you as a person. So with parents, you know, I, I think they can take it maybe a little bit more personally than friends, for example. But yeah, I mean, they have been supportive. Obviously, a lot of questions. I had a lot of debates in the early days with them. My mum's a vegetarian, but she just she's one of these people who just uses that silly argument, I can't give up cheese. You know, it's frustrating, but it is what it is. Um, but What um, about others around you, Luke? Like in terms of friends, work colleagues, things like that? Has, what's the reception been like? I moved to Manchester about 12 or 13 years ago. So most of my friends, well, I had to make new friends basically when I moved here. And I've always been a bit of an introvert, so I don't need a massive group of friends like some people do. The friends that I had here were basically friends through my wife, if that makes sense. So I inherited her friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a couple of them were already vegan. When they went vegan, I didn't really think anything of it. I, I didn't really, again, make any connection there. But since we went vegan, they've been really supportive. Um, so yeah, the, there's only one other vegan in my office who I get on quite well with, and he's been vegan for a, a, I think sort of six or seven years. He never really brought it up, but I knew he was vegan, so I can talk to him. But every, everyone else is a typical carnist. You know, they ask questions and things, but you know, I can't see them ever going vegan, to be honest. Can I ask then, Luke? So I'm really glad that we're having this conversation, especially because your vegan transition is relatively recent. So actually, in terms of relevance to listeners, there's a there's potentially a lot of things in your context that are even more relatable than somebody who went vegan 52 years ago, for example. <laughs> what what have been the the things that you would say have helped 
your transition to to changing what you're eating and changing that lifestyle the most? Okay, so yeah, I mean, one of the main things was obviously educating myself on different parts of the industry. So what happens to animals? And then I also found vegan YouTube channels like Airplane Ed, Joey Carb Strong, Carnism Debunked, who, you know, all go through the different arguments against veganism. So, for example, if you get into a conversation with someone and, you know, they try and make out like what you're doing is is wrong, then at least you've got a sensible answer to give them. So, for example, if somebody says to you, oh, I don't really see the point in going vegan because vegans kill more animals in crop harvesting. To a, a person who isn't educated on how to answer that, you may start questioning yourself and think, well, yeah, maybe veganism isn't actually helping animals. When in actual fact, that argument is just appealing to hypocrisy and is a load of nonsense. So I think learning the, the vegan arguments, um, educating yourself on you know statistics, that obviously helped a lot. Obviously joining groups with other like-minded people who share the same ideology as you so that you've got a support network if you ever want to talk to somebody. I think those things helped. In terms of the diet side of things again we, we found that quite easy so we enjoyed making curries so rather than having chicken in a curry we'd have chickpea and lentils and we'd just basically swap out all our favorite foods with plant-based ones so we found that quite easy i think that's really reassuring to to hear because i think a lot of people will assume i mean particularly if i can say from your case you've described you know quite how many animal products you're consuming to to swap that out a lot of people would fill them with a lot of foreboding but actually once once you do it like human beings are incredibly adaptable aren't they and actually you know you, you can completely change the way that you eat the way that you live where you live your lifestyle like we really adapt quite well don't we like it's it's not the end of the world at all yeah definitely yeah i mean i, I it was not even a shock to the system so when i eventually said to myself right i'm not eating egg and dairy anymore I wasn't like what am I going to eat you know I just immediately just got on with it and it's not even like we used all those transition foods so we don't really eat many fake meats you know things like that so we we mainly eat or we try to mainly eat whole plant foods so it's you know really healthy stuff I used to get like joint problems you know like my joints would ache sort of my shoulders would ache a lot and I don't really get any of that now. It might be a pure, you know, complete coincidence, but <laughs> I think I know dairy is a bit of an inflammatory food. So whether it's the fact I've cut out dairy and I don't get these aches and pains like I used to, mm. but you know, I, I genuinely feel healthier. And um, I mean, I'm only 33, but like I want to look after my body. You know, I don't want to get into old age with horrible diseases and things. And you know, if we just look at the science behind plant-based diets it's amazing what it can do for your body so you know even if you go into veganism based on you know the consequence of being vegan is being healthier then great just do it for that can i ask then do you think that how how straightforward the the food transition has been has that been the biggest surprise for you of your vegan journey or have there been there been other other positive surprises or negative surprises for that matter that that have jumped out at you yeah i mean again from somebody who was a fussy eater i i didn't really struggle there was always something for me to eat 
Um, we managed to, again, as I said, base substitute all of our normal foods and meals that we had with plant-based ones, and it just wasn't difficult. I think the hardest thing is living in a non-vegan world when you know how oppressive humans are to animals. You know, that's probably the hardest thing to live with each day, you know. Um, I think vegans make up something like 1% of the population, so we are a tiny minority. You know, there's a thing called, I think it's Vistopia, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like the trauma for vegans living in a non-vegan world. You know, we have to deal with a lot of trauma, you know, by educating ourselves on these industries and and by putting up with a lot of stick from non-vegans. And it, it can be hard. It can be really stressful and sometimes you can feel lonely but again i think if you find a network of people who you know can support you when you maybe feel a little bit down or or when you need help then that makes it a lot easier and is that for, for you is that network of people say like an online community that you that you chat to or is it groups that you are going out doing things with like what form does that take for you yeah so um a little bit of both so obviously with the anti-vivisection stuff um it's definitely a bit, a bit of both um obviously you know you're talking to these people on a regular basis and you know you, you might do outreaches and things and then also, I'm currently in my first season of Hunt Sabin. So wow. taking direct action against people who go out killing wildlife. So that's quite stressful, um, quite traumatic. But, you know, you, you again, within a group of people who are very passionate, very supportive, and it, and it massively helps. Yeah, golly. So that's t- tell tell us a bit about that in terms of you've touched on how how it feels and um, what that involves. But yeah, it's not something I've ever experienced. Um, yeah. So I, again, I think I learned about fox hunting in this country through friends within the animal rights movement. Um, a lot of them shared footage and and information online about it, and it sort of sparked my interest. I mean, I thought fox hunting ended you know, 20 years ago when the ban came into play, but it didn't. So I contacted my local hunt sub group. Well, actually, before I contacted them, I used to, you know, comment on their posts, you know, wish them support, send them donations for fuel so they can, you know, keep going out to try and stop these people killing animals. And then one day I did message my local group and they said they were going to do like a recruitment drive in the near future so i said oh great just let me know when and i'll pop in and and have a chat and uh, they did one in manchester so i went down listened to what they had to say and they didn't try and make it out to be sunshine and rainbows you know they were very brutally honest about what happens you know you go out you know you're subject to incredible violence and aggression from people you know, people who will try and run you over or ride their horses into you or come up to you and, and start punching you. You know, they were very, very clear what happens. And, but at the same time, they were said it's incredibly rewarding. So, you know, I joined them and um, say it's my first season. I've probably been out 10 or 11 times. It's great. You know, great group of people who, you know, you all trust each other. And uh, you all share the same goal, and that's to save animals. So that's really rewarding. Wow! Wow, that sounds fabulous. We're we're hoping to feature a, a special edition of Vegan Talk in February, covering hunting and, and sabbing because it it could get a lot more coverage than it it seems to in in both 
both mainstream but also vegan media um, a lot of the time. So yeah, I'm hoping to learn lots more about it, but it, it, it seems to be something, like you say, it's it's the season for it at, at, at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, lots to learn there and fabulous that, that so many people are, are involved in it. Can I ask Luke, you've you've been vegan for for a year or so before that you've been involved in in animal rights and your your vegan transition is is quite fresh in a sense obviously lots of different people come towards veganism and and need different things depending on their situation and depending on the people they are there's lots of support that is out there for people making that that journey could you put your finger on anything that you think the community could do a bit better to support people who were going through that transition? I don't really know because I was somebody who went out of my way to try and educate myself on it. So I would read into um, the different industries and, and learn as much as I could. I obviously joined, for example, this anti-vivisection group who, you know, they were very knowledgeable and they helped me learn about it. And then I would follow pages on, um, uh, sorry, channels on YouTube uh, like Earthly Ed, for example, is amazing because he's got a playlist of short videos, you know, three or four minutes on what happens to dairy cows, what happens to chickens, what happens to pigs, you know. So he breaks down all these different sort of rights violations so that you can learn really easily. And then on YouTube as well, there's different channels for fitness. So if you're somebody who's into running or weightlifting and you want to do that vegan, then, you know, they'll tell you about different meals to prep to get your protein to get your carbs to get your fats you, you know there, there's a, a vegan channel for everything so i think you know if i went vegan 20 years ago i think it'd be probably a lot harder than it is now because with modern technology we can access all this information so easily so i think we've got it in a sense quite lucky with with a couple of exceptions things are things are always getting easier i mean there's a, a fun little fun little rhyme that is new level new devil which I, I quite like that sort of says that even if things are getting easier or even if you're kind of progressing at something there's going to be new challenges and i think that is the same with veganism but generally speaking i think it's it's getting easier that that said then do you think it sounds like a, a key turning point for you was was living with a dog yeah. um if that had happened i don't know shortly after you rescued a sheep or at least felt like you'd rescued a sheep <laughs> at the time do you think that that vegan journey would have started then or or with the practicalities and the the culture of 10 years ago that's not as vegan friendly let's say do, do you think that might have prevented that or what do you think yeah that's a good point so i don't know really i mean when i got arnie he we, we formed a really strong bond really quickly um, you know, we, we, we treat him like a child, you know, he, <laughs> he, he's like a baby to us. And for people who don't have dogs, they probably don't understand what that's like. But, you know, when you've got a dog who, you know, you care so much about, it's, um, it's probably more, a bit more easy to understand. But I don't know, maybe, maybe um, if we got him 10, 11, 12 years ago after the incident with the lamb, maybe I would have thought about it a lot earlier. Because I, I definitely think he was a big trigger in me going towards veganism or at least animal rights because yeah. I could relate to him as a sentient being. You know, yeah. I, he made me wake up to the fact, you know, these animals aren't just 
soulless drones you know they have feelings and they have wants and yeah he sort of woke me up to that and uh, made me realize so yeah he, he, he definitely helped a lot well i guess i guess we never know with these things and um you know life's a, a funny old thing and goes in in many different ways doesn't it mm. but um yeah so to finish off with luke there's going to be people listening who are thinking about becoming vegan or they've just started their journey what would you say if they were sat down in front of you now i would probably say to them just to do their research on where their food comes from actually look into these marketing labels look at what actually free range means you know look at what rspca assured is look what red tractor assurances are Look at what grass-fed actually means. It's all nonsense. It's just make, it, it, it exists purely to make you sleep better at night about eating those products. I mean, that was one of the big things for me. When I learned about these assurance schemes and these labels that were on products, I couldn't believe that I'd been conned for 30-odd years of my life. If you, if you are somebody who classes themselves as an animal lover or somebody who is against cruelty or oppression the only way is to be vegan it's it's again when i try and advocate for veganism i want people to become vegan there and then but in reality it doesn't happen mm. these people have got to make the decision themselves but do your research actually look into it just try and align your your actions with your morals because nobody agrees with animal cruelty but you're paying for animals to suffer three times a day for an arbitrary meal you know that you forget about within a week it's 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 really not it's not difficult luke thank you so much for your time it's been brilliant to speak and um i know that lots of people will have will have found that really valuable so thank you yeah thanks for having me on thank you very much Brilliant. Absolutely love that conversation with Luke. You, you've you heard as much of Luke's voice as I have. That's like literally the only conversation we've, we've ever had to date. Hoping to get him back on the show sometime soon. But yeah, brilliant. Really enjoyed that. And I hope you got a lot from it too. Now, obviously, there's lots more episodes on the Going Vegan series. Well, say obviously, maybe you didn't know. There is. Check back. There's nine others. Now, it points when we've been previewing things and, and saying what's coming up in this series there's been mention of 12 interviews and that is going to be the case but 10 is as many as we've got recorded so far there's a couple of people we really wanted to hear from and we've just not quite been able to make it work yet so there's going to be a little gap in the next few days weeks before our 11th and 12th interviews but keep subscribed to this feed and you'll hear those when they come out as well as our other shows but thanks for listening and we'll catch you when we catch you next. Bye-bye.